And welcome to Contest of Content. The podcast where every episode we pit a beloved TV show. I couldn't keep doing it, I'm sorry. And a beloved movie. (laughs) Against each other in three high stakes and utterly stupid battles to the death. Our guest judge will choose which contender reigns supreme. The winning champion will receive the respect of your peers. The respect of your dad's peers. And the respect of the world that comes with a really big snow globe collection. Like Guinness World Record level big. Like so big that everyone has to respect you, you know, because you collected all these snow globes from all these different locations. And they they seem like a little glass ball filled with like plastic little white pellets, but you shake them around and it's going everywhere. And they've got- I'm Nick Kaminsky. And I'm Shelby Sweeterman. And this week's guest is a comedian. A host of the podcast Podpaganda. Kersia Steele! <laughs> really wanted to milk it. Really wanted to really wanted to milk that one for you. I thought hey. you were- <laughs> Hi, Kersia. How's it going, guys? Good. Hey. How are you? Um, still alive. Still- That's- yes. That is what we are looking for here. (laughs) I personally would love to have a ghost judge on contest of content, but I'm glad you're alive. Yeah. I mean, the the sky is red, so. It is fucking the apocalypse outside. It is so ominous. While we're recording this, um, California is literally burning down around us. Literally on fire. (laughs) I haven't seen the sun in... Uh, in like a week it's wild i don't know what's going on i mean i do it's fire fire's going on (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one's in like monrovia love monrovia i mean i've been there it certainly is a place in la (laughs) county (laughs) kersia what are your what are your hot takes on monrovia (laughs) Never heard of it till today. Uh, so, you know, I'm, ve- I'm very passionate about it, actually. <laughs> got, got a lot of feelings. But uh, I'll, save them. I'll, I'll, I'll save them for okay. another time. I don't want to be uh, too aggressive right now. You know? yeah. We want to hear your Monrovia takes, like, sprinkled throughout the podcast. <laughs> not, not all at once. We, every, you know, 20 minutes or so, we'll get a new one. Mm. Um, well, we are here to talk about television and movies. I want to talk about Monrovia. (laughs) Nick, no, that's the, we can't do, do you want to start a different podcast where we talk about Monrovia? Called like, (laughs) move up, move over Monrovia or something like that. Moving on up Monrovia. That's really good. That's That's really really good. good. (laughs) It's it's really good. Thanks. Um, Chris, you do watch. I, I'm. You must watch a lot of TV and movies, or at least an amount. <laughs> yeah, I've been known. I've been known to dabble in the TV space. Uh, do you think you that, watch more now during quarantine? Honestly, I watch a lot of TV. It's like yeah. it's definitely like. Um, I'm definitely like one of those people that like, you know, like my my ancestors were like definitely scared of something, you know what I'm saying? And like the voices, the voices keep me calm kind of thing. Yeah. You know, they, it lets me know that like a village is is like watching me like that. Uh-huh. So I, I watch a lot of a lot of TV. Um, that all makes per- that's eerie <laughs> and makes a lot of sense. I like, I like 
framing a television um, addiction as your ancestors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, is, this is all Darwin. This is this is all Darwin, guys. Like <laughs> my six seasons of Criminal Minds, Darwin. All right, thank you. Oh, all right. <laughs> I mean, Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds is going to keep you alive because then you're going to understand the criminal. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to battle a movie against a television show today. I don't know why I'm saying this so formally, as if no, I like it. It's very podcast. like staccato. I gotta okay. hit the. I gotta hit Nick. Please forgive me, Kurzia. Please forgive me. I gotta hit the xylophone right now. <laughs> oh, live instruments! It's uh-huh. so live, <laughs> and I like to think it is alive um, because it is a toy xylophone for babies shaped like a fox. So, it, to me, it has a spirit. But like super cool babies. Not like yeah. some lame ass baby. <laughs> Only for cool babies. <laughs> um, no boring babies allowed. So we're <laughs> we're battling today in the rounds of biggest budget WTF. Round two, stakes. Just stakes. And that's S-T-A-K-E-S, not S-T-E-A-K-S, like the meat. Oh, shit. <laughs> Nick, did you base your argument around... My movie pick was Chef's Table. <laughs> <laughs> and the last round is going to be, what is that? Perfect. It is capitalized. Wow. Cool. Nick, how do you wow. feel about that? Confused. Scared. <laughs> hungry, but only for something that's bad and greasy. Yeah. Uh, but mostly alive. Oh, great. Yeah, so you, you, you've been watching a lot of TV, too, then. <laughs> You're so alive. I think that's what's been yep. keeping us all. Whatever keeps the voices out, you know what I mean? Mm, so you don't want voices. No, I don't want voices. Well, no, I want the voices of the cast of, you know, Netflix's Away to distract me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was about to ask if that was any good, and then I'm like, this is not the place for that. Uh, uh, no, please ask me, because it's not. Okay, great. It's fine. It's fine. I think I like I am just I'm champing at the bit. I am wiggling my toes. Is that like a phrase? No, I just made it up. I really want to know, Nick, what your movie pick is. So please let us know what the challengers are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we've talked about a lot of legendary science fiction on this podcast before but we've never talked about a sci-fi figure as prolific as this one. Like Star Wars, Star Trek, Chud. None of these movies even compare to the creative brilliance of the progenitor of today's movie. Uh, George Lucas, (laughs) Steven Spielberg, pshaw. Today's subject laughs at them from his Sea Org boat floating in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I am, of course, I'm talking about L. Ron Hubbard and the 2000 sci-fi classic Battlefield Earth. Oh my god. I am Have... so... Okay, everyone who who's listening to this right now, please turn your head slightly to the side so that the whole world is at a Dutch angle because... <laughs> <laughs> That is what Battlefield Earth is all about. And oh. calling people man animals, I think. It's, I haven't I actually even... seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Curzia, have you ever seen uh, the classic film from 2000, Battlefield Earth? Uh, no. <laughs> from, from 2000 is considered classic now? Oh, wow. oh yeah. Everything about this movie is timeless. This movie's horrible. I just want to make sure everyone knows 2000 was 20 years ago. Isn't that oh, wild? Jesus Christ. John Travolta's just been putting out all the hits since then, really. I mean, yeah. he's just been an unstoppable force since 2000. Kind of hated him before then. Oh, boy. Um, this is a movie, you guys. Uh, this is a movie. Okay, that's my pick. Okay, great. I'm really excited to hear about it. Honestly, I used to talk to people about Battlefield Earth a lot, but I think it's because I was dating a guy who thought it was really funny. And then I completely oh, forgot about God. that movie after I broke up with him. Isn't that weird? <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> not weird. It sounds like it was most of his personality is that he enjoyed... Uh, Talking about, and I know nothing about making a stupid movie franchise a generous part of your personality, Fast and Furious. <laughs> okay, great. I also picked a classic from, it actually debuted in 1997, and it's well-loved by people who saw it back then in the late 90s and early 2000s and probably other people, maybe not as well-loved by someone who, say, was forced to watch it by all of her friends and roommates <laughs> who said it was really good. And uh, she watched it in like 2012, 2013 and was like, I don't know how into this I am, but I'm <laughs> still going to watch the whole thing anyway. Um, particularly because, wow, Joss Whedon got a lot more annoying since then, didn't he? Oh, uh, no. I'm talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right. Yep. Yeah. I've never seen a single episode. Okay, great. And Kersia, have you seen it? I've seen a few episodes, but that's so weird. I feel like that's such a popular show. I feel like everyone's seen it. It's yeah. definitely one of those where like, I feel like a lot of culture, cultural stuff comes from it. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, when you have a show about like a like female empowerment and a teen girl superhero written by Joss Whedon and maybe a couple <laughs> women, but mostly a team mm. of guys all named David and Drew. You really uh, have something that's gonna... Uh, so much okay. Drew power happening behind the scenes. Now I get it. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was a nice explanation of the show. That was a very good explanation. God, I can just see all the V-neck sweaters from here. <laughs> Yes. Um, um, yeah, I. it was similar, like how you said, like everyone told you to watch it. It was one of those shows where like the fans who I knew, who I was friends with, were so ardent about it that like they made it like no fun. And then everyone kept talking about the musical episodes and it's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> I want to go on the record as saying like, I'm not, I'm not, not, I don't regret watching this show. Uh -huh. I'm not crazy about it. On the record, Shelby. And maybe it ha I mean, it does have a lot of cultural influence that I will discuss, but mm, that doesn't make it <laughs> anything amazing. <laughs> uh, nice way of saying it's bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just really hope good. that we're careful to Josh Whedon's feelings during this yeah. podcast, everybody. Okay. He needs, he's a fragile little boy. 
I feel like people are gonna come for me. They're not. I know no one uh, cares about what I say. I'm not. I'm not popular enough for people to care <laughs> what I say about Buffy. Okay, awesome. Without further ado, let's get into battle one. Nick, are you ready? So fucking just just jazzed. Kersey, are you ready? Yeah. Woo. Ah! <laughs> Baby xylophone, are you ready? Oh, it is. So let's get going. <laughs> Battle one. Biggest budget, WTF? I feel like you kind of just sexualized the baby xylophone a little bit. It's a baby, Nick. That's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> All right. Um, I was going to ask at the start of this how much like knowledge you guys, you, you, you both had about this movie, but... um. Shelby, it seems like you have a lot, actually. I have a lot of knowledge for someone who, again, has never seen it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I've seen um, clips from it. I have no clue what movie this is. Oh, you don't? <laughs> I, I, okay. I don't know who's in it. Good. Tell me, oh. tell me, Percy, tell me all the yes, things. <laughs> okay, I'm so excited. Nick, give some basic info, and then Kersia, please guess the plot. I love this. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so it's a... It's a 2000, made in 2000 sci-fi movie starring John Travolta, and it's based on one of L. Ron Hubbard's books. And L. Ron Hubbard, of course, is the founder of Scientology, of the Church of Scientology, because it's a church, everybody. And uh, it was one of his, like, honestly, it wasn't even one of his most famous books, uh, but it was the book that L. Ron, L.R.H. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep it short. I'm going to, I'm on a kind of a, 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 a first name. I'm, he's L.R.H., all right? It's really only one syllable shorter than... L. Ron Hubbard, like so. L. R. H. wrote this book in 1982, <laughs> and uh, and John Travolta, a dedicated Scientologist, tried to get this movie like in the works for years. He wanted he he wanted it. He wanted it so bad. We're gonna talk about it more during stakes. Uh, but they made it, and um, it's bad. It's an it's it's an alien sci-fi movie, but it is it is pretty bad. Um, should I give any more information, or is that enough for Kersey to try to get the plot? <laughs> No, I want to hear, Kersey, just like one sentence of what you think might happen in this movie. The alien is pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually actually pretty good. Um, Yes, I'm right. You are correct. No, not really. Um, (laughs) I was so excited because honestly, I didn't know. That totally could have been true. To to sum it up, basically, uh, John Travolta has to he's he's a big alien they're called cyclos he has to teach and man is like endangered it's the year 3000 and man is endangered uh and they're like back to like a primitive species sort of but so he has to john travolta who's an alien who wants to mine enough gold from the earth so that he can quit his job has to teach barry pepper a human how to mine gold using it's it doesn't i honestly i can feel like a nosebleed happening i don't like it it's famously one of the worst reviewed movies of all times like it won all the razzies okay that's probably why i haven't seen it i'm gonna get i'm gonna get high and watch it tonight (laughs) okay so this movie originally had a budget of 110 million dollars when they were working with mgm because the president of mgm was a scientologist shocking um, but then John Travolta and his people, and by his people, I mean the Church of Scientology, they demanded that it be rewritten 
to more faithfully adhere to LRH's book because apparently LRH just smeared human shit between the pages of his book. And that's what they wanted the movie to be more like. So MGM backed out. So then instead, John Travolta had to do all the funding himself. And he went to like some different investment firms and he found this one investment firm called Entertainment, spelled with an I. Like, so that's. And then this uh, company, this production company called Franchise Pictures produced it. And from there, like he couldn't get the 110 million. So instead, he just got 75 million which is a shocking amount for this movie to cost because this movie looks like it was made for about like, I don't know, like maybe like 180 bucks. <laughs> I gotta say, I wish the movie were about John Travolta going around to different places trying to get in, an investment for this dumbass <laughs> Scientology movie. The, the like, story of this movie <laughs> is way better than this movie. I literally, I can't think of John Travolta, the actual person, doing anything except like <laughs> sitting around. Like, what else would he do? He's a. I imagine, guy. I imagine he looks at himself in the mirror and like pulls his shirt up and like sucks his stomach in, and he's just like, "You're still handsome." That's bleak. No, it's very oh, sad. No, it's sad. very sad. Everything about John Travolta is <laughs> no. sad. I hope you oh. hope you're ready for some empathy for John Travolta. Okay, but <laughs> no. <laughs> so this movie, like there's just, I wrote down like a couple notes while watching this movie about like some of the horrible like production value, like the laser blasts coming from their gun that it sometimes stun them and other times kill them and they never make a differentiate between like when. It looks like something made with like a beta version of Microsoft Paint. Like it's just... <laughs> There's oh, it's the one where... with him in dreads. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, he's my a, God. Uh, I do remember a... that advertising. He's yes. a big, chunky <laughs> alien with dreadlocks and a big butt. Oh it's my so God. weird. Um, there's, 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 a, there's a scene where um, his wife, Kelly Preston, has a, has a cameo in it, and she sticks her tongue out because she's got a long tongue. And not only did it make me physically ill, but it looked like uh, the Snapchat filter with the dog tongue. Um, there's a scene where like these prisoners are in a jail, and they're saying, like, how can we do anything? We're stuck in this jail. And he like shakes the bars like to emphasize that they're stuck in a jail. The bars move a lot. Like... <laughs> Like they they like really wobble like a good foot and a half back and forth. The set design basically <laughs> looks like a high school play version of the Super Mario Brothers movie, but the entire crew was just a bunch of depressed goths. Can we pivot and just talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie? Because for I as long as you want. Movie. This that movie was more emotionally intelligent than this movie, which is really hard to say about the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> So the thing is, is it turns out the movie didn't actually cost $75 million to make. It only cost $44 million to make. And Franchise Pictures straight up lied and overpadded the budget and then just pocketed it. Like they just what? stole. That's what I was they about just to stole. say. Yeah, that's what it sounded they just, like. Yep, yep, <laughs> they just stole from this entertainment like productions with an I because that's clever. They just straight up stole it. So then they found out. And the investment firm sued Franchise Pictures, and they had to pay them $121 million, and Franchise Pictures went bankrupt. Damn. They had to declare bankruptcy because of this movie, because of this shitty, shitty movie that was supposed to cost $110 million, then went down to $75, then actually only cost $44, but... After they paid John Travolta like all his extra fees, which he like famously took a took a pay cut, 
like after they paid him and like paid out like, you know, rights to the Scientology church, the director said he only had $21 million to actually make the movie. Wow. So it's like, that's the biggest budget you got. What the fuck? Mm. Is that like a common thing? Just. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Just fraud in the movie industry. No, everyone in the movie industry is generally very honest. Yeah, that's uh, what I thought. Really, really like, uh, really like true people you can trust and count on who don't have cabals of evil, illicit, no, never mind. Um, Right, but also- The system is perfect, Nick. The system is perfect. (laughs) We only get movies that we want and that society needs and we never get a bunch of bullshit about some guy. Every movie is just about some guy. And if Why? that guy was LRH, then I'd watch it. <laughs> I'm kidding. He sucks. LRH sucks, by the way. Anytime I sound like I'm for him, I'm again him. <laughs> um, so, uh, but also, so this movie doesn't have the biggest budget ever, but it's got the biggest budget of what the fuck. And also, mm-hmm. just a little side note that I would like to point out is this movie does have, it absolutely still has the biggest budget for any movie that LRH ever wrote. And he uh, was the writer of such classics as the 1938 film, the Secret of Treasure Island, and another classic, How the E-Meter Works. I read that every so. day. <laughs> I guarantee you, however much money the Church of Scientology spent on the movie Battlefield Earth is a percentage of how much money they spent trying to stop Leo Remini's documentary about how evil the church <laughs> is. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm going to be labeled an SP after this podcast. Dope. That's fine. I feel like every couple years there's a good Scientology documentary. And honestly, I don't know of a bad one because it's just so like, (laughs) I I know of one bad one I saw called LRH, the sexiest body in the universe. (laughs) I love watching documentaries about cults. Like I can't. No, I do. I'm obsessed with it. No, I'm I'm obsessed obsessed with it. That's why I was happy to pick this movie. Cults. Cults are the witches of 2020. Wow, that is, you should be quoted in like the New York Times. Yeah, there you go. There we go. What the fuck, biggest budget. Thanks. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I never thought of having a big budget. It is a low budget TV show. It started out as a low budget TV show. It looks like a low budget TV show. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is just me being honest. I am not, that is not my problem with the show. Like the budget, I don't have a problem with it, okay? Okay, Joss Whedon fans, don't come at me. Um, <laughs> who's more, who's more, who's a more like uh, ravenous follower? Followers of the Church of Scientology or followers of fucking Joss Whedon? Because I'm not sure. I mean, Buffy is, itself, not even Joss Whedon. Buffy itself. Yeah, just Buffy. Yeah, it's definitely got like a crazy cult following. Um, there are so, really so many forums, so many spin-offs. <laughs> Um, Nick, what do you think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is about? So let's see. You got this high schooler named Buffy, and it turns out that she can't drive because uh, um, her dad died in a car accident when they were little kids, and it turns out she was driving. She was like five, and he thought it'd be fun to let her drive. So she is 16. She's trying to get her driver's license. Turns out she can't drive, but she's a great Air Force pilot. So she joins the Air Force at 16. Am I anywhere on the right path? Yeah, pretty much exact. Cool, great. Um, oh, and vampires. Yeah, they're va- in the sky, right? 
Um, so <laughs> she, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer debuted on the WB TV network as like a low budget comedy about a teen girl killing vampires in high school. So it had all of these, it was sort of a monster of the week show and the mm-hmm. monsters sort of stood in, they were metaphors for like anxieties and issues. Or like teen drinking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that kind of, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Uh. there was a dumb episode where xander was hitting on his teacher and then the teacher ended up being like a bug it was it's weird it's a weird show just anything you think of like monster of the week shows they did it they've done all of the stuff that shows do like nick said musical episode they did Mm. an episode where no one really talked they did like all these interesting kind of concept episodes ended up being pretty good like the mm-hmm. musical episode and that episode where no one says anything are all are both like really critically acclaimed but most of it is just like they were just whatever episodes you're in that kind of show you're also gonna have a lot of filler um and really hit or miss concepts uh the ratings for this show were between the average between four to six million mm-hmm. views not, per like not. first viewing whatever which is it's it's a lot for a network mm-hmm. like WB that didn't really yeah. have a following. It's not yeah. a lot based on... Um, the Masked Singer. Right. Or like, you know, Friends had like 25 million views, mm. you know? Like, um, but... Or anything on like ABC or Fox or whatever was getting way more views than that. But for WB, that was like a pretty big uh, viewership for this show. It was Riverdale. And- Riverdale of the... 2000s? Yeah. <laughs> Hersey, you're speaking my language it. now. Hersey, you All pressed right. a button for Nick. <laughs> oh, there's no, I'm not talking about Battlefield Earth anymore. Yeah. So, when <laughs> Archie fights a bear, I just, uh, <laughs> I really want to... Um, so, WB mm. only gave the show a million dollars per episode. Um mm. In 1997. So a million dollars in 1997 was like, that's like a lot, you know, (laughs) compared to now. Um, But still for a TV show, not a lot. So like Gilmore Girls or something got like 2 million and they don't even have vampires, you know, like. um, (laughs) Just, just so much money on all the just all those fake cups of coffee that they're just constantly (laughs) badly drinking. That was real. That was the the finest (laughs) Um, coffee, <laughs> coffee they could, yeah, they could get for sure. Not a single actor can hold a mug of coffee <laughs> as if it true. actually has coffee in it. That's just a you know truth universally acknowledged. Yep. Oh, that's like a Shakespearean super feat to be able to do yeah. that. Um, so they only gave a million dollars per episode, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer would often go over their budget <gasps> and. Yeah, like 75% of the time they go over their budget. <laughs> and I learned this Damn. from a Buffy fan okay. forum. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like they had like mad costumes and shit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean like, you, you can see. Uh, I don't know. You can kind of see it in that show. They spent it on oh, like, sure. like makeup. Yeah, I mean, it actually. So uh, how much do you think it costs uh, production wise to kill a vampire? Oh, $125. <laughs> yes, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, five dollars. <laughs> um, so 
<laughs> I mean, I assume you're going to have to be sending money to the family for years after. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, not a real you're vampire. Right. I'm sorry. The life insurance policy. <laughs> um, the pension. It costs $5,000 to kill a vampire on that show. And I feel like that's uh, not that bad. That's like that's not bad. That's a reasonable vampire price. Do you mean yeah. like that's how much the effects and like the yeah. cost? Okay. Yes. Um, okay. Here's the thing: they kill a lot of them uh. <laughs> until the end. Like the last few seasons, vampires weren't really the big, like bad. You know, they weren't mm. the big enemies for most of it. Like she starts out as a vampire slayer, but she's not only slaying vampires. It's monster of the week. You can't just have a different vampire every time. Which one? Sure. Which, what is this? True blood? Even true blood? <laughs> they pulled in like fairies and shit. Yeah, there so, was fairies and shit. Um, since they went over their budget all the time, 20th Century Fox would, the distributor would make up for the, the, um, deficit. And then they started being like, Hey, uh, you got to fund this show better. Cause we're not getting paid for, you know, this show. Mm-hmm. We're like at a loss here. Um, the couple, like the last few seasons, they switched from WB to UPN and that's where Buffy aired. Wow. Um, <laughs> that, show, and- that show's old. Yeah, I know. Like, I didn't know, like, like, I never knew that they actually had TV shows on it, except for, like, daytime talk shows. Like, I didn't think it actually existed outside of, like, Maury. Nah, UPN had, like, a lot of dope, uh, like, black TV shows. It had, like, Moesha. Oh, yeah. It had, like, yeah, uh, Girlfriends. But, yeah, so for it to get switched to UPN, very... (laughs) Very <laughs> weird placing is what I'm saying. Huh. It is weird. Because when I think of, you know, like Joss Whedon, I think of like, you know, like black dominated programming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Joss That's Whedon. Totally what I think the of. The blackest man in television. Um, oh, no. no. So <laughs> UPN must, <laughs> UPN must have had a lot more money to work with make which makes sense if they were like the home to a bunch of black tv shows when you know every other network was like nah you go watch upn if you want to see black people um they put on buffy and they gave it 2.3 million dollars per episode which is more than twice the amount what did they do did the quality get better no it didn't <laughs> they just killed more vampires every episode. <laughs> Throwing forty extra fucking vampires. So Was that his that entire plan? Dude, it honestly, it all it, it, it all just went so that they could hire more Daves and Drews for the writers. Room. Yeah, they needed. They're like, oh man, we need so many more Daves and Drews for this show. <laughs> but no. It, what happened was they just started paying their actors more. So that by the oh. end, I've seen differing, you know, numbers. But Sarah Michelle Geller was making between a hundred thousand and like three hundred and fifty thousand per episode. Damn, that's a yeah. lot of money. Oh yeah. When did it um, end? In like 02? Yeah, something like that. O two, o three. I don't know. It started in ninety seven. There were seven seasons so, oh, four? so whatever Damn. counting is when was the movie when did the movie come out like oh that was earlier that was no no it was like the early 90s 92 um, yeah so it still looked low budget it 
I I cannot remember. So is Joss Whedon just a cocaine king? Is that what you're trying to say? Is he just cleaning? <laughs> is he just cleaning money through Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I would love to say that Joss Whedon <laughs> had a like was selling cocaine and that he's the most popular black writer on television. However, <laughs> uh, as far as I know, as far as I know, that is not true. He wasn't even a showrunner anymore. Um, Joss Whedon has smuggled more cocaine into America (laughs) than Pablo Escobar, and that is a fact. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be a good Um, show one day. That's going (laughs) to (laughs) be. Oh, no. What what it boils down to is that it's a huge surprise that this show had the budget it did by the end, did not look any better. And just was paying the was paying the actors more because Sarah Michelle Gellar was like a darling of the '90s. It's surprising yeah. that she started out at a way lower pay rate. Like I saw, you know what? As- we should be supporting them. You know what? Yeah, good job paying your actors yeah. more. Hell yeah, <laughs> we're for the um, unions. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and also the fact that it's like a female-led show, you know that they were paying like if because they could pay their lead less because she's you know it's a female-led a show, so I'm yeah. sure they paid everybody else less too. Yeah. <laughs> right. oh, okay. Like, well, you, okay. Well, we can't pay her as much as a man, and we can't pay all of you more than we pay her. No, that's exactly that's she's totally. Not making, she's, Xander you know. can't be making more money than her. Seth Green can't be making right. more money than Buffy. Yeah. No. How much were the oh what was on in 03? What like uh, Scrubs? I wonder what the budget of Scrub was. Or I wonder what like Zach Braff was getting per episode. Oh, I am so excited to find out. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Looks like Scrub started out as. Oh no! I oh I lost the information. Okay. It cost thirteen million to produce one episode. Scrubs, Scrubs. Oh my gosh! They didn't even have makeup. Oh my god! What were they doing? <laughs> they they were around two million per episode. Um, okay, also. all right. Oh, so compared, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, I feel like that sounds. Honestly, kind of, I, I think the sense. special effects in Scrubs were probably better. <laughs> sure, true. <laughs> Whatever effect they used to make Zach Braff palatable for 144 episodes must have yeah. been very expensive. So What it boils down to, the WTF here is I looked up lists of the most exp- like surprisingly expensive TV shows, and Buffy mm-hmm. was on them, and I was like, I am surprised. <laughs> not like a show that looks, it doesn't have like super great effects. Um not that I, I mean, I don't want all of those effects people out there. I'm so sorry if you feel hurt by this. I am putting all of the blame on Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good. Because my buddy Drew worked on that show. Yeah, David, Drew. <laughs> I like, I mean, like, oh, I watched Charm. Charm was like around the same time and on the same network. That had to have similarly kind of poor effects. I've never seen Charm. Is it good? It was good for the time. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like any any show with like special effects 
yes. was like good for the it's time. Like, right. It, it's hard to look back and not laugh at some of the. I recently watched through Alias, which oh. was from around the same time oh, yeah, as Buffy. That's right. And it, yeah, some of the effects there are just like, what? <laughs> what? We were just okay with watching this? Um, yeah, Jennifer Garner is also like the nicest person in the world. So I wonder she if, seems great. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if like now like looking at her beat up people is hilarious. It's it's funny, but all yeah, she does have such a sweet face. Yeah. Like she's playing like this super spy, but then anytime she smiles, she just looks so endearing because she has like little dimples. Yeah. Anyway, let's go on to battle two. <laughs> all right, battle two stakes. Um <clears throat> We're talking about stakes in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, something you may not know about Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that it was very influential to how TV was created. A lot of people will cite Buffy the Vampire Slayer along with, like, The Sopranos as shows that revolutionized TV. In fact, in one I mean, they're very similar shows. They're 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 so much alike. I mean, Sarah Michelle Geller has the same gait as uh, James Gandolfini. You know, like they yes. carry themselves the same. And you, she has her, you know, an article in an article <laughs> written by Emily Vanderwerf and Caroline Frampke. Those are fun names to say. Uh, called How Buffy the Vampire Slayer Transformed TV as We Know It. <gasps> they say, this show blew up established formats and made people who made TV rethink how they approached the medium. And they did that by having uh, season-long arcs rather than just episode by episode. Mm. So it was like a Monster of the Week thing, but there were also series-long arcs. There was a lot more at stake during each episode huh. as it huh. progressed to this you know, overarching theme for the season. Um, and that is one way in which this show had stakes. The other way in is that the, you kill vampires with stakes. <laughs> you use stakes to kill vampires. <laughs> I don't think I uh, understand that. Do you mind? So, okay, <laughs> uh, could you explain? Um, uh, yeah. Sure, you, hold on to your butts. Okay. A stake <laughs> is like a wooden, it's like a pointy wooden stick. Okay, yes. Uh -huh. And um, according to vampire lore, you like shove it into their heart and that kills them. And they do that a lot in Buffy. They actually do it so much that Buffy has a favorite stake, uh, which she refers to as Mr. Pointy. She she literally named it Mr. Pointy. Wow, because she sounds fun... like a serial killer, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She, she killed a lot of vampires. Does she take I guess like their necklaces in the end or something? Like yeah, well, cuts off one of their ears. <laughs> exactly, she cuts off one of their ears and strengthens it into. Um, she has a necklace made out of vampire ears. Actually, you know, she stakes them and they turn to dust or whatever. That's why it costs $5,000. But um, yeah, a lot of stakes. 
Because not only does she have a stake, her trusty Mr. Pointy, but other people kill vampires too. I mean, you got your Willow and your Xander. Angel's there. He's a vampire, but also killing other vampires. Um, I could list more people who kill vampires in the show, but it seems boring. So I'm not going to do that. (laughs) No, I'm into it. There's a lot of stakes, literal wooden stakes and and that's my argument, okay? Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, thank, okay. Thank, thank you for saying it's cool. Right. Nick, is it cool? Shelby? What's, yeah? Don't it's I, pretty cool. I have to hear Nick's argument now. That's what I'm excited to hear, right? Yeah, I'm excited to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, Shelby, I get the joke you made. I get it. Okay, it's good. like a double meaning, right? Yeah. <laughs> because stakes mean like the importance of some I wait, no, I lost it. I don't get it. It's funny though. Okay. It's the cadence that really sells the joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Battlefield Earth stakes. So, within the first te- so man is an endangered species in the year 3000. What? So within the first 10 minutes of this movie, the main character, his father dies. He leaves the only world he's ever known. He says goodbye to the love of his life. He travels for we don't know how long. He meets people from a completely different culture. He discovers an abandoned world that used to be inhabited by people they think are gods. And then he's pursued, shot at, and kidnapped by aliens and taken on their spaceship to a different part of the world where he's now a slave in their prison camps. There's too much going on in this movie. That's that's the first 10 minutes of the movie. What? That's not the movie? That's not the movie? What are you talking about? That happens in the first 10 minutes, including opening credits. That's the first season of the movie that goes on. (laughs) First seven seasons. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Yeah. I get the feeling, Nick, that this show might ha- or this movie might have some pacing issues. No, 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 no. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first 10 movie. And that's a lot of, I mean, that's a lot of stakes, you know, like, and a man is like this primitive, like they've kind of gone back to this primitive kind of species where they grunt and hoot a lot. But that's not the stakes of Battlefield Earth. It's not the survival of mankind. That's not where the real stakes of Battlefield Earth is, because the real stakes are for John Tra himself. Mm. This movie was such a big deal to him. It was like, it was such a, like he spent so long trying to get it off the ground. It took him 10 years to try to make this piece of shit. Uh, And the reason he wanted to get it made was because it was famously known throughout Scientology that this was the movie that L. Ron Hubbard, I'm sorry, LRH, really wanted to be made into a movie. Because like he always kind of like he wrote like, you know, he made all these like fucking Scientology like documentaries and like training programs. Like he fancied himself a film director and he always kind of thought he could do it like a real Hollywood movie. So he died in like the 80s. And then John Travolta was like. I can do this. I'm just the right, like I'm filled with just enough Thetans to to make LRH's dreams come <laughs> true. And so when it first started, when it was first, when he first started trying to make it in the uh, in the 90s, he was going to play the main character. Um, and I haven't told you guys this yet, but the main character of the movie, his name is Johnny Goodboy Tyler. No. Johnny Goodboy Tyler. <laughs> He sounds like a he sounds like a, a greaser from the 1960s. <laughs> yeah, right. Him and Soda yeah. Pop just got into a fight with the uh, 
with, with the gang down at the soda fountain. Yeah, no, totally. Quick, come quick. Soda pop and Johnny Good Boy are fighting down outside the, the soda jerk. I don't and, know. And, and which actor is in the movie The Outsiders? Uh, Tom Cruise. Who's another famous Scientologist? Tom Cruise. It's all coming together. So by the time that there was, he was finally able to get the movie made, he was too old to play Johnny Good Boy Tyler. So he had to settle for playing Turl, who's the big, he's like the bad guy in the movie. He's a cyclo, and cyclo are like eight foot tall, dreadlock sporting, ugly, paper mache looking motherfucking aliens. <laughs> um, you really got to think like, this is such a big deal for John Tra. Like he's, he's really got to knock it out of the park. He's really got to like, he's been trying to get this movie made for so long. He finally got $75 million. I mean, $44 million. I mean, $21 million to make this movie. <laughs> and you know, with like a script like this, you really think what could go wrong? Except it had a script like that. So it was... <laughs> It was really bad. And like his acting in the movie is unbelievable. It's like, why are you phoning this in? Because he's funneling money, guys. I don't know. It's very <laughs> exactly. clear. Exactly. We found out later. <laughs> they do one take for. for <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah, These box are itchy. <laughs> All right, that was a two million day. Let's, uh, let's <laughs> wrap it. So there's like a like as much as I would love the rest of this podcast, me just reciting fucking John Travolta lines. There's one that I there's like my favorite one maybe. It's like when you first meet him and he's been blackmailing this bartender by holding on to like these like incriminating reports, and the and the bartender's like, as a friend, could you forget to to file the reports? And then John Travolta he goes, well, as a friend, I could. Forget to file the report, but unfortunately, I'm not your friend. <laughs> Fool! That's how he acts the entire movie. It's so. That actually sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's entertaining. It is a form of entertainment. He was like, do you think? L. Ron Hubbard was like whispering in his ear. The ghost so. of L. Ron Hubbard was there, like, no, deliver it this way. Ugh, it's John, that's well. Listen to me. <laughs> Johnny Boy, have I ever steered you wrong except about forcing you to live in the closet for the last 25 years? No, baby. <laughs> It's honestly, you should both watch this movie. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's astonishing actually. But so the last thing I want to talk about is like in the movie, they keep talking about the cyclos, these alien race, and they're supposed to be like the most advanced. They're supposed to be the most advanced, like intelligent species in the world, but they didn't think to like Google if there were places on earth where there was just stockpiles of gold instead of just <laughs> mining it all. Like they could have just gone to Fort Knox. Um <laughs> So not Which that is actually, they're not that advanced is what you're saying. No, they're not that advanced. Wait, they didn't have Google? They didn't even have Bing? I mean, No, they didn't even have Bing. They couldn't even ask Jeeves. But they have this machine <laughs> that beams all the like all of intelligence into your head, kind of like a like a rip-off Matrix MacGuffin, but the humans use it and get smarter. It I hate this movie. Um okay, but so one thing they keep doing is they keep talking about leverage. Like it's they if you if this was a drinking game and you drank every time you drank uh when they said leverage, you'd still die 25 minutes into this movie from a gunshot wound because it's so bad. <laughs> but so they just keep talking about like how to get leverage over people. And it's like, you fool, you're not intelligent enough to get leverage. And it's just like so it's such an obvious parallel between Scientology and the way that like cults in general use leverage over its people. 
taking your money or getting your whole family involved or just like not letting you see people like there's it's just such an obvious like creepy like LRH like you got to get leverage over people Johnny and it's like so obvious that like it's like it's like it made me like kind of feel bad because it's like how much leverage do they have over John Travolta does the church of Scientology have over them because like he like is so brainwashed it's probably not even that crazy I don't think uh, it's probably not crazy in terms of like what we young people accept today. Yeah, no, totally. Well, <laughs> you know, it's pro- it was probably like crazy for the nineties, you know, <laughs> like, what, whatever. I 100% agree with yeah. you. No, no, no. I totally agree. I mean, honestly, yeah. the thing that they have I is that he's, yeah. Yes. John Travolta kissed a boy on the lips. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and he liked it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the church of Scientology knows. And now, no, know, yeah. Yeah. So now they own him. It's that he, it's that, it's that he's gay. And I mean, these are rumors. This isn't, I'm not like outing John Travolta here, but like, I mean, it's the, the, the whisper mill for the last 20 years or so is that he's obvious is that he's, he's gay, but Scientology is fucking stupid. And LRH was a garbage bodied homophobe. So Mm -hmm. like he's part of this society now. And like, I mean, they have leverage over him just in like, just the way a cult, like, you know, gets you to be like a, you know, a, dedicated member so now like he thinks like he can't be gay like he can't just be out and proud and john tra about it so like i feel like this movie to him was like his big chance like to do something great for scientology and he thought like maybe if he just stole a little bit of money oh, on the side no. but still tried <laughs> to just make a great movie for scientology but not just for scientology but for the memory of lrh that maybe just maybe the church would just finally let John Tra be the one thing that John Tra always wanted to be himself. <laughs> That's beautiful. So those are the stakes of Battlefield. Earth. You came to win today, Nick. You, those you stakes been... were a lot higher. I will say that. <laughs> okay, but we're the literal wooden stakes because that. <laughs> Um, poor john trot you know this movie broke the way i feel empathy i like i don't understand feelings after this movie because like at like towards the end i just started feeling bad for everybody involved like the the, the caterers probably had a shit time oh it's it's wild i feel bad why would they be having a shit time there's a whole bunch of cocaine on (laughs) (laughs) that's true every now and then even if you're they're making two million (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they have all of their extra cocaine money. I mean, Joss Whedon is there dealing. Uh, he's got... Okay. Just fucking white powder. Allegedly. Let's, let's... Allegedly. Look, we're just playing in the space. We're playing in the space. We're not. Um... <laughs> I do feel bad for John Travolta, but mostly because every time I look at his face, I feel bad inside me. <laughs> it makes me feel bad. Um, I don't Why know if in that's particular? Empathy. Because he's bald now? Because his no, wife passed just, away very sadly? Something about his features look unreal. Like uncanny valley kind of yeah you're right disturbing not back in the day but like now it's weird to look at him he looks weird like ever since he started like touching a Adina Menzel's face too much yeah he looks weird 
I think that I think I just know too much creepy stuff about him. So now he's creepy. He's like a creepy guy. But I mean, I think a lot of that is Scientology's fault. Oh, guys, I forgot to mention I'm a Scientologist. Oh, oh no! <laughs> oh Nick, no! Nick, we gotta go. Uh, I am. I if I wasn't an SP before, I'm getting the fuck out of Hollywood. Honestly, crazy. I'm worried about. Uh, hey, someone, someone should be at your door, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear a knock? Guys. <laughs> Shit. What was that? How did I hear that knocking so well from my bedroom with the door closed? Oh man. Well, Nick. You've been bringing it so hard in this, and I'm really proud of you. And Thanks. you're doing oh. such a great job. Arguing Just like John and- Trop brings it when he gets a massage from a young Asian man. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, well, I can't wait to hear your final your argument for the final battle. All what right. Is that horse facts? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, what? Is that as we've already kind of talked about? This movie is bad. <laughs> it's yeah, it's bad. To be honest, though, I watched it twice, and I think the second time I had a stroke. Like I'm not sure. <laughs> I watched it twice, and I'll admit, the first time I watched it, um, like I smoked a big old fat joint, just just overflowing with some green sticky crystals. But the second time I watched it sober ish, and it made less sense. Like yeah. <laughs> this movie doesn't make any sense. There are entire sequences and subplots. I tried taking notes of all the things in the movie that like didn't make any sense. I just like kind of bullet pointed a bunch of uh, the movie's like cinematic miscarriages and uh, just cut parsed it down into one space. So like I just I need to like, what is that? This is a collection of things that happen in this movie that make me say, what is that? (laughs) You ready for my my quick thoughts? Okay. I'm psyched. Are you psyched? Great. (laughs) The first off, the subplot of the movie is called A Saga of the Year 3000, which just annoys me because it implies that there might be more than one saga coming from Dude, the year 3000. A saga? You gotta span more than a year. Yep, exactly. It's one. And, what and, are it, you and, doing? and honestly, it only all takes about like 14 days because the pacing in this movie doesn't make any sense. That's um, okay. wild. Even the Twilight Saga took like a year. You know? <laughs> God, it did. Ugh. How old was she in the first one? How? Nah, we don't need to get into it. I want to get into it, though. I want to talk about Twilight. Okay. I did too. <laughs> Always. So the, the humans are an endangered species, and cyclos are the aliens who have taken over Earth. And they they call them man animals, and it's the most infi- – like, maybe they say man animal a hundred times in the movie. Why don't they call them manimals? Because they didn't want Rob Schneider involved. He already owned <laughs> the term, and, and he was like, no, I need to save that. Uh, it was movie. so infuriating. I think one of the times Forrest Whitaker, yes, Academy Award winner Forrest Whitaker is in this movie. I think one time he accidentally says manimals and they just left it in because nobody cared. <laughs> so cyclos are the aliens and cyclos, as I wrote, are tall, chonky aliens with big butts, thick fingers, kiss boots and dreadlocks. Sometimes they have five fingers and sometimes six. Jantra is clearly never controlling at least two of the fingers. They've just got like paper mache gloves on. And I read the goofs. They did have different hands and they didn't keep track of which height cyclo had five fingers and which one had six. (laughs) So it just changes from scene to scene. They use the, the humans are like primitive and they like are scared of fire and like sky gods. They're not scared of fire, but they like worship it. 
and they like they grunt and, and uh, hoot at each other, but then they also speak in complex English idioms. They say that like he's like, yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side, and they're like, oh yeah, 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 and then they keep saying piece of cake, but they don't know what cake is. It's like someone didn't think very hard about it. <laughs> when they wrote this movie. It's sometimes when John Tra laughs, he sounds like fucking Tommy Wiseau. Sometimes he's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> which is upsetting. By the way, I'm so sorry to interrupt. But no, I, please. I just realized that that Rob Schneider movie is not called Manimal. It's called, it's called the, animal. the Animal. Yeah. Why no, I knew what you were going for there. Also, fun fact, that screenplay was co-written by some guy named Tom Brady, who's oh, not really? a oh. sportsman. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say someone named Drew and someone named Dave. That would be really fitting. And honestly, I would be surprised if there weren't at least four Drews and eight Daves who worked on the movie. So. Oh, at least. Those are yeah. those are those are light numbers. Okay, so John Travolta and Forrest Whitaker are trying to get leverage over the humans, even though they already have them locked in a prison. Like I'm not <laughs> kidding. They are their slaves. And they're trying to get leverage over them. So what they do is the aliens, they let them free. They're like, okay, you can go, humans. And then, but then they, they monitor them and then they, this is like a 10 minute subplot. They're like, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to follow the humans oh until they God. find their, I don't until think I'm they, smart f- enough for this movie. No, it's, no, it's, that can't be true. if you, if you graduated third grade without pissing yourself every day, you are too smart for this movie. So they they say this is their plan. They say we're going to follow the manimals, the man animals, Jesus Christ, sorry, until they find their favorite food. So when they find their favorite food, then we'll have what? then we'll have leverage over them, which doesn't make any sense. They're they're literally like alone in a in a in a mountain, like just like trying to survive. So then the 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 man animals, they find a rat and they eat it raw and they go, "Oh, rat, that's the man what? animal's favorite food." <laughs> okay. So they, so in these, okay. So, uh, so, so then they use it as leverage. They try to use it as leverage to get the animal, to get the man animals to do their bidding. Okay. 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 You're telling me that these aliens who are so smart because they're like the smartest species of aliens. Yes. They wiped out all of mankind in 13 minutes. Almost Um, all of mankind. Well, I mean, that wouldn't be too hard. We can do that ourselves, can't we? Um, the, the smartest people or the smartest aliens ever because they have all of this information just transmitted into their brains. They were like, oh, these hungry people, if we let them go, the first thing they eat will be their favorite food? Yes. They say it without a smile or mirth on their face. That is kind of are... hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny. So wait, is this a... Is this like a, a com- comedic sci-fi? No, it's really not supposed to be comedic. It's really not. Even though at one point John Travolta hits his head on a ceiling and he goes, crap, lousy ceiling. I thought I told you to fix this. It's like, is he doing physical comedy? I don't. <laughs> My next note is literally, I smell burning hair. Um, <laughs> it's slapstick like the animal starring <laughs> I don't know if I was like crazy rich and like had been in the game for like 20 years, I'd be like, I'd, I'd try to like mess with people's heads for sure. Like sure. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> 
And the last thing I have to say is that cavemen taught themselves how to fly jets in under six days. They went from being scared of fire to teaching them how <laughs> themselves how to fight in fighter jets that somehow survived for a thousand years in a hangar. That's, that's the human race, you know? We could... I don't think I could f- figure out how to fly a fire, fighter jet, and I don't think Nick could figure out how to fi- fly a fighter jet. But, Kersia, I think you could probably, you could probably figure, figure out, out how it out. Fly a fighter jet. Well, I, you have that energy. I do believe I could because I watched Snakes on a Plane recently. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel very informed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I Movie's I basically just like a user's <laughs> manual. <laughs> if a snake can fly a plane, then, you know, any of us could. <laughs> yeah. Every, everything we in don't a, even have arms. Everything in that movie sounded factual. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to follow everything it said so. <laughs> what dianetics is to scientology <laughs> to uh us and schools where you learn how to fly planes i love it and nick i think we should introduce what is that the category <laughs> as like a new um uh what's the word i'm trying to think of Horse facts. Segment. Oh, so yes. New, I agree. New, yeah. Like horse facts, like what's in your gravy? We've got- What <laughs> is that? All right. Perfect. Something uh-huh. that like, honestly, like the, it's so weird. Just like watching it a second time, it made me feel high, but in a bad way. It's pretty great. You should watch it. <laughs> I will. I will. There we go. Are, can we get you- Hey, can we get you to commit, Kersia? <laughs> Are you going to commit? <laughs> well- to watching this movie in exactly I... 10 years to the day we'll all meet back on this zencaster and then yes <laughs> I... just say yes I'm busy the next 10 years. years um super busy the next 10 seems years. right seems about right i don't know <laughs> yeah um i i if it's like available, I'd probably like try to watch it. I doubt I'd be able to get through it. I told I don't I don't think I have like well maybe Oh, it's a laundry to... folder, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. If, if, yeah. If, you gotta be occupied. If you're sitting down taking notes for it, you will lose the feeling in the back of your neck. I'm picturing him with a Jamaican accent for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so. There's few ways they could have improved on this movie, but I think you just nailed it, Garcia. Okay. What is that? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Listen, season. Okay, I'm gonna just talk about a, one specific episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer right. because I watched it all, you know, pretty quickly, and not a lot stood out to me. But this one episode stood out to me as being like, what? What is that? What happened in this? Who? Who allowed this? <laughs> and that is the episode. It's an episode from season four called where the wild things are now season four of Buffy she's out of high school she's in college she has a boring boyfriend and they work for the or like there's this you know underground you know monster killing agency or whatever that she finds and it it has like a fraternity on top of it where all of the agents for that agency live and her boyfriend is one of the agents whatever his name's Riley he's boring um they start having sex a lot like they're doing it all the time you're in college you know you gotta get it done so 
they are doing it mostly at Riley's place in the Lowell house, his frat that's above the, you know, research center where he works. And that's like the worst frat ever. It's, oh yeah, it's dumb. And guess what? They're going to have a frat party. And they're so excited to have a frat yeah, party. Yeah, frat party. What is that? Now, keep in mind this television show earlier in the season already had an episode about a party where like a demon you know infiltrated a party and made people experience their worst fears blah 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 it was a pretty good episode um cut to you know later in the season they're having this frat party episode where Buffy and Riley are just literally having sex the whole time um, and they keep cutting back from like other people to Buffy and Riley having sex, back to other people, back to Buffy and Riley having sex. Anyway, they're having sex in the Lowell house. It turns out that Lowell house was like, <laughs> it was like a, the Lowell home for children uh, way back years before run by this lady who would like punish the children for trying to masturbate. Now oh this is- God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, I yeah. went there. Yeah, what? I was a part of Yeah, I what was there. Is this what is WB, like 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. They're having sex the whole time. And and this, the constant sexing of Buffy and Riley has awoken these children who are inhabiting this home, the spirits of the children inhabiting this home because they were punished for all of their sexual feelings. So now they start reaching out and like doing weird stuff and punishing people like all of these teens and 20 somethings for their sexual feelings. Okay, whatever, (sighs) basic plot of a story um you know we love it we love when we talk about kids and not and having sex in the same sentence mm-hmm. um so the kids who live there they're ghosts they're making people uh, they're encouraging buffy and riley to have more sex like it's some sort of like evil presence in the house that makes them keep having sex and not noticing anything that's going around on around them like people are screaming stuff is happening downstairs buffy and riley don't care they just keep doing it um perfect let's demonize sex even more right the, it's very unclear in this episode whether it's saying that sex is good or bad <laughs> like it seems to have really mixed messages um but basically these kids start doing stuff like they make the fireplace blow up they make this girl cut off all of her hair but the really really crazy the what is that moment demons like, are making you have sex i think <laughs> i mean that is literally like true that does happen for me and it's called my penis <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're. you're, you're it is an entity of evil. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. don't even. It's um, haunted as hell. This was like this was after Seventh Heaven. This was the show, right? After. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that shows even more. What is that? Because the dad was a fucking. Oh group. yeah, that's that's pretty fucked oh, up. Um, Allegedly. Oh. <laughs> Here's the real. What is that moment? Is that these poltergeist children? for some reason, turned one wall of this house into an orgasm wall. Now, let me explain. I don't, I honestly (laughs) never want you to. I just want to stop the podcast. There's a guy, there's some people talking. A guy casually leans against a wall, puts his hand against the wall, and then orgasms. Like, and the girl he's talking to watches him like, Does he shoot? What? And 
Do he 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 makes this face. It's very clear that he's orgasm. Do they show the like, like the pants spot? No, there's no like wet spot or anything. Lame. It's just his face. Lame. I know, but <laughs> it is you know the WB. <laughs> they can only show so much. So he starts encouraging no instead of like say instead of keep in mind this guy works for the fucking like monster hunting agency like you think that he would be like oh there's like he know he lives there he knows what's going on you think that he would he he missed the like, day oh, of training he missed the day of right. training where they focused on demon orgasm walls <laughs> yes he just calls everyone over and is like you gotta <laughs> touch this wall <laughs> And then there's like a major part of the episode where different people are just touching the orgasm wall (laughs) and other people are just watching them come and just like one girl keeps going back and does it over and over again. Like, why do you do just like, why would you want so many people to watch you work? I mean, mean, actually, but um. Turns out everyone in this party has that kink because they're all watching people. Bunch of exhibitionists. That's cool. And doing it. Yeah. And voyeurs because everyone's watching too. So, like, exhibitionism and voyeurism is not just a subcategory on uh, literatica.com. It's also (laughs) a main theme of this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And all I can say is, what is that? What? Who decided? What? There was just in the writer's room. They're like, okay, we got these kids. They're sexually repressed. So they're haunting this house. (laughs) And then they make an orgasm wall. And every other David and Drew in the writer's room was like, yeah, that sounds You're so smart, Joss. What is that? What is that? That is wild. What? Is that and that is all I have to say about the episode. Um, I mean, they they do an exorcism or whatever, and they get the kids out. Does he shoot during the exorcism? Do we see the wet spot then? No, but I feel like they should have just left the orgasm wall because honestly, that's probably better than like if you're running short on time and you're like, I gotta, you know, I'm really corny, but also I have to. But also, I've got this. I've got this sweet potato and tofu marinated thing in the oven, and the timer's going off. But I gotta rub one out real quick. What am I gonna do? I'm a a college student. I have a. I have a. calculus exam tomorrow that's, wow. that's where all the budget went into proto prototyping this wall <laughs> it's, a, it's real it's a real wall guys <laughs> um it, really amazing uh, well Chrissy, do you have any questions for us <laughs> like too many um i mean good job both of you oh my god oh my god you. thank you so yeah, Let's let's go with that on that high note. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. Horse facts. <laughs> horse fact number 45. All horses are libertarian. Horse fact number 116. The stomach lining in the average horse is 60% velour. Horse fact number 89. Horse tails have minds of their own and often try to get their horses to commit atrocities against man. The only thing stopping the horse is their lack of understanding of governmental infrastructure. Horse fact number 605. Horses will straight up kick your face off your fucking face. Horse fact number 11. Horses like to eat hay, grains, 
Peppermints, and Nike Air Jordan 1s in pine green retro high top. Horse fact number 103. Horses were invented in the 1800s by a Dutch banker whose name is unknown. Horse fact number 115. No matter how close you get, a horse will never truly love you. Horse fact number 165. All horses know karate, but only enjoy doing it so they can say hi-ya! Horse fact number 188. Horses fucking hate Seinfeld. Horse fact number three. Ain't no party like a giant horse party because giant horse parties are always lovely, laid-back evenings with games, but you don't feel like pressure to play the games. It's just a chill time, and honestly, the games are always a lot of fun. Horse fact number 100. The more horse facts one learns the less they truly know about horses. Horse fact number 37. Horses on average are 100 feet tall. Horse fact! <laughs> and we're back! Hi! Hi! What's up? Okay, I'm still here. We would love to hear what kind of punishment or reward you have in store for us. I thought it would be nice for you guys to whoever loses to treat another person to some to the bet to the number one uh restaurant for their neighborhood when you yelp it got it that's fun number one restaurant for the neighborhood okay so whoever loses looks up the other person's neighborhood yeah. number one restaurant got it love it that is so sweet yeah it's very sweet and i would love i would i would love to be on either end of that and yeah. i know for a fact there is a jack-in-the-box <laughs> down the street from me <laughs> <laughs> oh those 420 munchie meals we gotta, god gotta, there's gotta, hopefully I, you guys like octopus because <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's what's popular in both of your neighborhoods all right cool awesome uh, no that's a great one Okay. Well, I I mean the suspense is killing me. Yeah. So let us let us have Curzio, please let us know. <laughs> let us know who won. Okay. Alright. So for steaks. <laughs> yeah. I've I think I made it very clear. <laughs> 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 Um, so I'm going to have to give it to Nick. Uh, uh, yeah. Just want John um, Trot to spread his wings and fly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I thought the literal wooden stake might pull out one. <laughs> yeah. That's, I should have worked harder. While <laughs> you did stick to the topic well. <laughs> you certainly did. Yeah. I do feel like, uh... John Travolta's soul is um, more important than like a, a piece of wood. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, that's uh, just me though. That's just me. Hey, you're the judge. Like, you're the yeah, you're yeah, the decider. Yeah. You're the only opinion that matters you are right the now. De- you are the decider, like George W. Bush. Yep. <laughs> or like. All right, for round two. Was that round two, I think? Or was that round one? Uh, round one big- <laughs> yeah, whatever. whatever. However you All want right, to go about it. All right, next one, the next one, which is my round two, yeah. is, uh, yep. is Biggest Budget, right? Um, yeah. And while both, um, I think, 
were funneling cocaine through <laughs> their budgets. Um, I do have to give it up for Buffy mm-hmm. <laughs> for not um, improving at all despite getting, <laughs> despite getting a bigger budget. <laughs> so Shelby, you do win. Oh my god! This round, yeah. I guess. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. <laughs> Uh, and considering the fact that South Park makes the special effects and Battle Battlefield Earth look like pretty bad, it did not have the biggest budget. Uh, right. We're tied up, going into we're round three. Round three. Um, now, this is ladies, a tough one. <laughs> both of you have done so well in America's Next Top Model. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn. That was yes. I am just smiling <laughs> so hard right now. Gosh, that was yesterday. I, I shot that yesterday. My bad. Um, I haven't had a carb uh, since January. <laughs> yeah. Um, round two. Uh, what is that? Yeah. You, you both... Um, had fantastic arguments. Thank you. Thank you. But pause for dramatic effect. I know. Um, <laughs> but I did believe one of you did a fantastic job. <laughs> Nick. Oh. Yeah. Wait. What's What's the next part? Of you are thinking? a person on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shelby, yeah. <laughs> I just want to let you know that you too are a person on this podcast. Thank you, thank you for letting. I me am know. just, I am just pins and needles all over my crotchal area. <laughs> my shirt is drenched in sweat. <laughs> my uterus is squelching right now. <laughs> But I do have to reveal a winner. Oh, God. And that person did present a great <laughs> art. <laughs> it's been like 46 of these two. <laughs> And the winner is both of you because you did a great job. Oh what? <laughs> no, uh, that's no. no, you could do whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. The, the winner is both of you <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a sweet person and you guys should both try out the foods Aww. in your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to buy ourselves. <laughs> But I'm going to spend way more money on myself than I would have Shelby. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, Kurzia, you are officially the nicest person who has ever been on this podcast. Well, I don't know. I'm making you spend money on yourself, so I don't know about that. But um... hey, That's self-care. No, is this real? Is this real? Is this real life? Yeah, it's a real tie, guys. You, you... What? Wow, I'm in awe. Wow, no, this is exciting. This is the first time on Contest of Contest. I think this is the first tie. Wow. And you know what? 
I'm cool. No, I love it. I'm excited. <laughs> I think it's fun. We did we did have a tie that was decided by a coin flip, but that was the judge's decision. They were like, I can't choose. I'm gonna flip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> he made like that less nice, I think. No, I want I think, you know, we I want both of you to win right now. Oh I want God. you know, LA is sad hey. right now. Yes. And we needed a win. Yeah. We needed a yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really did, you know. Oh my gosh. Christian, thank you so much. Thank for you so much. All right. we, can you help us? I'm okay, so we have this battle box full of our battles for next episode. And normally you would pull out the battle on your own, but because you're not here, I'm gonna swish my handle around in it. And Curzy, if you could say like now um while i'm swishing then i'll i'll pick the battles that way yeah okay all right okay, but here's the swishing so just let me know when to grab one. Oh yeah cool um now okay we've got birds <laughs> that's a good one <laughs> birds from charlie demont wildy haven't we already had birds are weird we have birds are weird. This one's just birds. All right. All right. Birds. All right. Second one. Birds. Uh, no. Okay. Civil War. <laughs> from from Meal and Patel. I love Meal a good Patel TV show about a civil war civil bird. War. Bird civil war. Yeah. It right, definitely sounds one. like something Disney has. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Spies in Disguise just came out on uh, HBO Max. I think that's got oh, it does. Will Smith yeah. as a pigeon now. All right, last one. All right. Now. Last one. <clears throat> really makes you want to shower from Krista. Krista Patterson. Krista's got good ones. Wow. Birds, Civil War, and really makes you want to shower. I love it. Great job picking. <laughs> yeah, did. you did fantastic. This has been this has been such a, a great episode. Thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Anything you'd like our fans to check out? Tell us all about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, follow uh, Pigandapod on social media it's on instagram it's on twitter our uh podcast though is called podpaganda <laughs> um and nothing makes me happier than a podcast title that's using some sort of like play on words for pod so i'm i'm fucking here for it yeah that's us <laughs> that's yes. easy to what's remember about? guys what's what's the podcast about oh it's it's a it's a news and culture podcast so we Hell sit yeah. through all the news and culture of the week so um if you're like a millennial or gen z that like doesn't have the time for it we'll do it for you perfect right. that, cool. do you guys what talk about uh britney spears really and how she's servicing. being uh, taken prisoner or not yet we haven't yet, but yeah, yeah. it could, it could become one of the most important stories. We do cover culture, so yeah. it and definitely then, could. Yeah, it is uh, Kersia and Ryan O'Toole, I believe. Yes, it uh, is. So check that out. Uh, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast, I bet you're gonna love their podcast bet you're too. So fucking love it. Check it out. Yes, and. I think that's all for today. Unless you have any final notes, you know, that you want to really. Yeah. Here's how you world. guys can improve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
please. I got a few no I got about ten things that I'd like to say right now. No, Love yeah. it. Thank <laughs> no, you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. Uh you can follow us on Twitter at contest underscore content and on Instagram at contest of content. Email us, contestofcontent at gmail.com. All of the other stuff, do whatever. I'm R2Shelby2 on Twitter and Instagram. I don't know why I'm saying this part. Oh, I know. You've never done it before, but I like it. Sure, go with it. Okay. Uh, well, that's all I have, oh, okay. Nick. Do you... <laughs> I don't have Twitter because it scares and emasculates me. Well, that sounds like a personal problem. Mm-hmm. It is. But, as the baby xylophone would like you to say... Keep arguing with your friends. About what is that? (laughs) Bye. Bye. No, I specifically told you you have to get the deluxe wash there because the regular wash is a piece of shit. Yeah, I know it's a terrible car wash. I know they suck, but my sister's boyfriend just got promoted to manager, so I'm trying to be support... Well, that's not a helpful tone. Ah, shit. Uh, Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's episode of Podcast of Content. I mean, Contest of Content. This sure was a fun one, wasn't it? Thanks so much for listening, and please go visit the car wash at Los Feliz and Brunswick Avenue. My sister will not stop yelling at me about it like I own several cars that need to be washed morning, noon, and night. Our artwork is done by Corey Fisher, and the music is done by the wonderful Richard Rosenthal. Thanks so much for listening.